Hello and welcome to the Church in Action program. This week we're starting part one of a two-part series with Reverend Dr. Steve Macchia as we discuss the spiritual formation of leaders. Enjoy! Making disciples is the church's primary mission and God uses the spiritual disciplines to transform us to be like Jesus. So this week we're talking uh, in our series about disciple making and spiritual formation. I've got a very special guest, a name very well known to Vision New England network people, Reverend Dr. Steve Machia, the founder and president of Leadership Transformations, director of the Pierce Center for Disciple Making at Gordon-Conwell, and author of 16 books and used to leave Vision New England. Steve, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Charles. What a joy. So, Steve, give us a little bit of biography, if you would. Um, how, did, how did you wind up uh, at Gordon-Conwell, Leadership Transformations? Uh, the, the quick story is that I was led to faith as a high school student in Greater Boston by a man who was at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and was serving as our youth pastor at the time. I followed in his footsteps and went to college in the Midwest, sight unseen, to a very small Christian college, Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Hmm. Then I came back to Gordon-Conwell as a master's level student, MDiv student. And during that time, I was hired by Grace Chapel in Lexington, where I stayed for 11 years while I was finishing my MDiv. I was serving on the team um during some wonderful growth years for Christ Chapel and we had a we had a wonderful time I learned so many transferable principles about ministry from Gordon McDonald and Warren Chu and others that were on the team at the time um that was 11 great years and I finished my MDiv during that time and then um I was asked to lead a group called the Evangelistic Association of New England by its current or its at that time, current chairperson, Alan Emery III. And Alan Emery uh, recruited me. I fought, kicked and screamed. I'm like, I don't think this is for me, but it ended up being 14 of the best years of my life, sitting in your chair as, um, as the head of Vision New England. During my tenure, we changed the name from EANE to Vision New England. We exceeded 10,000 at Congress, and we bought that that facility and built, bought and built that facility in Acton, Mass., which was our offices and gathering space for training events. We had about, I don't know, 40 ministry initiatives. It was amazing. It was wonderful. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. But um, about a year before I left, God woke me up with a dream. And I needed a discernment team to help me understand it, as well as the board at Vision New England at the time. And a year later, I uh, left uh, Vision New England and started LTI. And that was 20 years ago this month, Charles. So wow. 20 years have gone by, and they've been an amazing season. Um, yeah, just a lot of growth, a lot of maturation in me, uh, a lot of growing up, if you will, um, in me, and learned a lot of lessons about leadership and about formation. Um, it was at that time that Gordon Conwell also said to me, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. They said, well, how about helping us with the Pierce Center? We'll give you an office. We'll give you an assistant. This can be your home base. 
it was God's first and great gift to me because uh, I had, as I said, been led to faith by a Gordon Conwell student, got my master's there, got my, my D-min there, and now I'm back helping the next generation uh, to yeah, prioritize the care and nurture of their soul. So for 20 years, I've been doing the Pierce Center, wow. uh, but my bigger umbrella is leadership transformations. So that's the thumbnail sketch. And, 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 and for me, it's been so neat to get to know you a little bit because of that history, right? When I got involved in Vision New England and I traveled around and met leaders all over New England, the number of times I heard Steve Mackey and David Midwood uh, and the love and affection and respect folks had, it was just neat when we finally got to get to get to get together and start talking to each other too. So thanks again, Steve, for they, that foundation. They loved, they loved David Midwood. They tolerated me. Well, then I'm one step down from tolerating. <laughs> and, and so tell, tell us more, what is this dream and how did it lead to leadership transformations? Well, it, it was actually a dream. Um, a Sunday morning in August the, in 20, 2002, my son was about to face his 13th and biggest, most dramatic surgery on his right leg. We had done multiple surgeries. We had worked with the orthopedic team at Children's Hospital for like 17 years. This was the big one. And I said to Ruth, you know, we've got to go away for a weekend. We need a rest because we're going to, we're about to face, you know, this massive uh, time to help Nate, you know, get back on his feet again. And we went away to Quebec, old Quebec City for just a long weekend. And it was a beautiful time, great for the two of us. But in that time, for whatever reason, I've yet to figure out why God's timing is what it is. Um, I was awakened with a dream early, early, early on a Sunday morning and with words and picture, pictures and graphic and instructions. And it took me several months to figure it out, but it ended up being, I didn't know if it was for Vision New England. I didn't even know if it was for me. I didn't even know if it was me or if it was God. Um, so we sifted and sorted our way through it. And within about six or seven months on the heels of that year's Congress, uh, went into some very serious discernment and decided that I, I needed to follow God's instruction. Mm -hmm. And the Vision of England team released me, blessed and sent Ruth and me. We didn't know what we were doing, Charles. I, I, I had a dream. I had one donor check in my pocket and that's about it wow. and the first group that that came to me was the seminary and um that was huge because walt kaiser at the time was the president and barry corey was the uh, the senior uh, leadership person in academics and I, I had worked with his father at vision new england actually wow. uh, barry corey's father hugh corey was a much beloved member of our team. He was a retired uh, Assemblies of God denominational executive, and he came and worked with us to mentor pastors. So when he passed away and I spoke at his funeral, Barry sought me out. And so we became friends and, and brothers, really, because I loved his father um, like, like my own. And um, so we had, a, we had a connection. We had a relational connection. And that's when he asked me to take over the Pierce Center. And he said, you know, as you start this new thing that you don't know what you're doing yet, at least help us define what the Pierce Center can be. 
So for the past 20 years, I've been able to not only define it, but to lead it. And it's been amazing, um, absolutely phenomenal experience of helping really hundreds and hundreds of, of now pastors and now leaders who are going through their seminary days. And I, I have such an affection for the seminary because I'm, I'm really like a product of the seminary, having come to faith through a Gordon Conwell student years prior. And then I have two degrees from there, and now I'm helping the next generation. It's one of the greatest things I get to do. I, I love what I get to do with seminary students, young leaders, you know, because the, the, the Christian ministry world belongs to this next generation of leaders. And I, I want to be one of those that's investing in that next generation. Now, a little bit of a segue and off topic. When you talk about the dream you had, what made you think it was a dream that wasn't just something that I dreamed last night and that actually required you to spend some time figuring out what it was? Well, thank you, Charles. First of all, thank you for even showing interest in the dream. Um, it was so dramatic for me because I really felt God was speaking to me, awakening me. It was like five o'clock in the morning I took the little pads of paper that usually are sitting next to bedside table on bedside tables in hotels. They don't do that anymore for COVID purposes, but yeah. I had it at the time. I went into the bathroom to not wake up my wife and I just wrote down everything that I saw, everything that I thought I heard, all the words that I thought were a part of it. And then I, I went out for a long walk and I just cried out to God. I'm like, what was that? What, what was that? Because I've never experienced anything like that before. Was that you or was that what I ate the night before? Or was it just, it was, it was pretty significant. It had, it literally had um, a picture, a pictorial image with words and like a process that um, leaders and teams uh, would go through to become more aware of the goodness, the kindness and the direction of God. And I was there, I was to help facilitate that. Uh, that's what he was asking me to do. So it was, it was a, it was a one of a kind. I've never been awakened like that since or before, but it was so dramatic. I, I, I put a group of a half dozen guys around me that, that I knew I could trust. And I said, your job is to tell me if I'm crazy or not. That's, that's really what your job is. And if I'm not crazy, you have to help me interpret this because I've never had an experience like this with God, and I don't know what this means. And then I, I told the Vision New England board. That kind of freaked them out because they didn't know what to do with it. And, and they kind of went into, you know, like, eh, what's, gonna, what, what's going on with, with our leader, with our organization? And I understand that, you know, even in hindsight especially, it must have been hard for them, you know, because I didn't know Charles. I, I was in discernment. Yeah. And... But 20 years later, I can say it was God making his way clear at a weird time to awaken me with this. I think probably to give me a, a sense of hope. My dad had just died that summer as well. So I was dealing with grief. I was dealing with some personal anguish. I was dealing with this disappointment related to yet another surgery for Nate. Mm -hmm. And I think God just sort of said, here, I've, I've got you. I, I'm for you. I'm with you. And um, and taking it to the Vision New England board at the time was hard. Um, I'm not sure I would recommend doing such, like, you know, in hindsight, but I wanted them involved. I wanted them to know. I wanted them to be a part of 
the discernment. What what was God doing here? Mm. And I think that you know God loves to make Himself known to His people. Mm. He absolutely loves it. And in a lot of my teaching, I I point out the ways in which God makes Himself known all the time. He's like tapping you on the shoulder of your heart 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He just wants you to know that he has great affection for you and great love for you. And sometimes it means awakening you in the middle of the night and giving you a very dramatic dream to like shake you and wake you to the reality. He's got you. He's with you. He's for you. And that's what it did for me. And so I, I left June 30, 2003. And I started this new adventure. And my my son was going to Gordon College that fall. My daughter was going to LCA. I had huge debt to pay for schooling for my kids. Yeah. I had no idea how that was going to get paid. But one week at a time, God said, This, you know, I got you. I know you. I love you. And I'm going to provide for you. Yeah, there was there was something about it though that you had some sense this was not just a, a regular dream, and no. you may not be able to figure it out. It sounds like there was some sense; otherwise, you'd have just let go of it. I assume. Yeah, it was something unusual. It was something unique. It was something extra special that I needed to pay attention to. Yeah. I would I, I would have been disobedient to God if I had not. If I just I, didn't. I, I wonder. I have a hypothesis that some when God does it in those odd ways that it's because it wouldn't make sense to you. Right. Right. So I think about it when, because I would agree with you, very limited one time in my life kind of thing, not a dream, but something else. Right. And it was like, I finally realized I'd have never figured this out on my own. He had to do something very different. Well, you know, think of Moses. It took a burning bush. Yeah. Uh, think of Balaam. It was his donkey. Yeah. <laughs> think of, you know, yeah. Mary and Elizabeth and it was angels. And, you know, it's just sort of like, yeah. He can choose the way in which he wants to get our attention, however he so chooses. Yeah. And for me, at that particular time, it was awakening me um, with a dream. Yeah, that's so neat. That's so neat. Thanks for sharing that. Well, now let's get back to what how the dream evolved then, <laughs> and so because it becomes leadership transformations. What is leadership transformations? What are you trying to do? In a very simple term, we are trying to raise the attentiveness of spiritual formation and soul care in the hearts and lives of leaders and teams, knowing that as the leader goes, so goes the organization. But more importantly, as the soul of the leader goes, so goes the leader. Mm -hmm. So we want to continually plummet the depths of the soul in the hearts of leaders, knowing that if we can get their attention, and help them go deeper in their walk with God. They will in turn prioritize that in their respective areas of ministry. So, and we've seen this Charles over and over and over and over again. It takes the transformation of the leader first and foremost before there's transformation in the team or the ministry, whether it's a local church or an organization or business. And we've we've seen countless times that this is true and so people become involved in us mostly for them for themselves to help them um, get a handle on get a grip on the care and nurture of their own soul and when they prioritize that they are awakened to this new reality uh, and they want to help others do so do likewise so all of our programs now are 
directed around the spiritual formation, discernment, and renewal of leaders and Le ultimately lead teams. Le leaders of ministries or leaders in any capacity? In, in any capacity, because it's, it's leaders in business or leaders in a particular vocation, but mostly it's ministry leaders, uh, pastors. And, you know, we've got thousands of Christian organizations that are out there. So we do work, for example, with denominations like Salvation Army. I do a lot with the Army. Um, I love the Army. I'd do anything for the Army. Um, but we, we also do things with organizations, specific organizations, or particular churches, you know, where we're doing retreats for leadership teams and helping them prioritize soul care in the midst of their discernment and their planning. And, and so would, would, would this fall into the spiritual direction bucket or is it a little, is there some overlap, but it's, but it's something different too? It includes spiritual direction. In fact, our biggest program is SELA, our certificate training program in spiritual direction, which has, has blossomed like crazy. We, we had just, as we started, it was just SELA East here in the Northeast. It now is SELA East up and down the East Coast, SELA West in, in Arizona, SELA Europe in Scotland, and Sela Anglican that we've started with the Anglican Church of North America uh, in one of their particular dioceses here on the East Coast. So all of a sudden, it used to just be one cohort. Now it's like 12 cohorts. Wow. And that ministry has just, it's that every, every cohort is full with a waiting list. Now, now not, not all of our, ooh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say not all of our traditions have that phrase spiritual direction. It's a relatively newer one for, for me. What what happens in spiritual direction? What does that look like? Spiritual direction is very is quite ancient, but it is new for the modern evangelical church. Um, it's probably 20 years old within that sector, yeah. but it's growing, Charles. It's amazing. Even among evangelical churches, there's a, a, a dramatic interest in it. And basically what direction is, it's one of those caring ministries like coaching and counseling, um, but it's distinct in the fact that, particularly the way we teach it, it's more contemplative, it's more reflective, it's mm -hmm. emphasized on listening to the person's, it, the, the weirdness is it's called being a spiritual director and a directee, but there's no directing that goes on. It's it's all listening to how God is directing, how the spirit is moving. And so the director is to be trained to help uh, the, the directee, the, the person who's coming for direction or insight or understanding, to give them guidance, to help them see where God is in the midst of their story. In fact, it was spiritual direction for me that I was starting to have at the latter years of my time at Vision New England, that was really the biggest part of my needing to do something like this because direction had so dramatically changed my life. And I still have the same spiritual director more than 30 years later. He's an Episcopal monk related to the Society of St. John the Evangelist in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I've, I've seen David, my spiritual director all these years. So when I was at Vision New England, I was trying to interpret 
terminology back to my team as to what it was that I was doing. It was so new. There was like a big question mark over it. What are you doing? What, what is that? All I was doing was talking to a person once a month about the state of my soul. And he was helping me learn how to pray, learn how to go back to God, learn how to trust Jesus being in the midst of my story. And so that's really what it is. It's spiritual guidance or spiritual friendship that's packaged in this terminology called spiritual direction. And, and so when I hear you talk about that, I, it sounds to me like helping you grow as a disciple. It is. And, and now we did uh, uh, some research o- over the course of the pandemic, a lot of focus group with leaders across New England who said, we're not good at making disciples. Yeah. Are, are, you in fa- are you filling in in a space where we really all should be working? Well, I, I frankly feel that every leader needs a spiritual director. I don't think any leader in a Christian context should be without a spiritual director. That's how dramatic I now believe. But if you don't have a spiritual director, to at least have a spiritual friend or a spiritual friendship kind of community where you can give voice to your experience with God. And so, yes, we're discipling. And if I can just sort of throw in my definition of formation versus discipleship or with discipleship. I think discipleship or disciple is our, that's our name. We are disciples. So I'm a disciple of Jesus. You're a disciple of Jesus. I want to follow Jesus more intimately. So I want to become a a better, more faithful disciple of Jesus. So what do I do? I need to study the scriptures. I need to have a quiet time. I need to have a a group of people coming around me to teach me the ways of God. So I'm initiating toward God in my desire to be like him. Formation, however, is learning how to posture oneself to receive what God wants to initiate toward you. So a dream is is one way. You know, I, I had nothing to do with it. He initiated toward me. I needed to make sense of it. When, when God, through his word, awakens me to the reality of a truth, I like, wow, thank you, God. That was amazing. That's part of my formation. Part of my formation, I believe, is learning how to posture myself to receive from God because he's giving to us all the time, whether it's the beauty of creation, whether it's in the biblical text, whether it's in community and friendship. What are the gifts that God is trying to give to you that he wants you to acknowledge as gifts that he's given. That's formation. Discipleship is me taking steps toward Jesus. I'm initiating. I'm saying I want more. I'm saying I want to go deeper. I'm saying I like you and I want to hang out with you and learn more from you. So it's right hand, left hand. It's it's both hands. You know, we need both. But I think discipleship is the bigger concept. It's because it's my name. It's your name. We're a disciple. So you can't take your, you can't walk away from your name. Yeah. But as being named as disciples, how are we walking toward Christ? And how are we posturing ourselves to receive from Christ? Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the ways you're helping people with this is spiritual direction, helping leaders and organizations. What are some of the other things you guys do at Leadership Transformation to help people? Well, we have an we have an Emmaus program, which is about formational leadership. It's helping leaders to become uh, more formation oriented, 
uh, and discernment focused instead of strategic planning and you know doing the ways of the ways of the world we're trying to teach the ways of god in terms of how to do planning how to do how to do ministry how to do relationships how to do community so our Emmaus program would be for leaders pastors and other leadership types and then we have a third program called abide which is uh, basics and spiritual formation it's basically teaching individuals whether they're leaders or learners the leaders and learners that are gathered around the abide program are learning what does it mean to be talking about spiritual formation what does it mean that the word spiritual is in front of the word formation how what is the ministry of the of the spirit of god uh, through the fruit of the spirit through the gifts of the spirit through the empowerment of the spirit so those are our three main programs sila amas and abide but we do a ton of work with individuals and with organizations um, both in this part of the country the northeast as well as literally around the world when the pandemic hit everything that we offer is now online um, our podcast our programs our workshops our even we have online retreats that we offer because we saw the need and we entered into that space and in the past i don't know the five five or six years the past five or six years i think we've just about everything has doubled or tripled um simply because of the the geographic widening of the internet you know making everything available thanks for listening this program is created by Vision New England, which accelerates evangelism by helping the church make disciples, do justice, and foster unity so people want to know Jesus and New England will be transformed. You can find more resources and donate at visionnewengland.org. This program is brought to you by our friends at the Louise Palau Association, who are dedicated to proclaiming the good news, uniting the church, and impacting cities worldwide. Stay tuned for part two.